are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. 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 I thought we did that at the end. <laughs> yeah. You got, me you got some beginners in the room, everybody. You got some beginners in the room. It's all right. No, don't worry. Don't, don't sweat it, Elias. I'm sweating it already. Today on the show, <laughs> we have Rachel Waka, CEO and Chief Disruptor of City Auto Repair, a local family-owned auto repair shop since 1981. This thing was started before you were born. That's right. Cause you just told me you were born in '85. That's right. I just told your age to everybody. <laughs> hope you don't. Okay. Hope, hope you don't mind. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm super excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. Are you? Thank you. A do I need nervous. to turn? Do I need to turn up your volume a little bit, or are you excited to be I'm here? Super pumped. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's gonna be fun to share your story. Uh, I met Rachel for the first time when a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And um, just just really clicked. Really have obviously we have a lot of similarities when it comes to like the service industry and and um, you know I think that was that it's it's great to have somebody that I can actually like talk to about that kind of stuff now right. who's also a business owner. Yes. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to be able to share your story with everybody else as well. So, but before we do, before we do, I have one of my awesome interns right here co-hosting with me today and you guys just heads up like ty is coming back i have talked to him <laughs> and he is coming back um uh, probably not next week but maybe the week <laughs> excuse me maybe the week after um but today we have elias gonzalez a repa- repaint the wall intern extraordinaire I, you wrote this for yeah, yourself. I did. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't never really. I mean, besides Mike, I don't know if I've really introduced the co-host in this kind of, kind of way. I want to make sure people know how important <laughs> I am to this okay. endeavor. Repaint the wall, intern extraordinaire, and lead mentor at Gator Slam. What's Gator Slam? Gator Slam is a professional organization dedicated to helping uh, students develop uh, their skills in sales and leadership, and it's done through mentoring. But this is our first year, so. Uh, I've been helping out my professors uh, with that, and I'm lead mentor at that. So really, so, yeah. Why didn't you ever tell me this? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, don't know. I, I started this semester, and you had already hired me by then. So I, I, don't, I just felt like uh, learn something new every day, folks. Yeah. Learn something. Well, cool, man. Yeah, well, thanks for like being a startup. So yeah. I got something. Else. How, how's your uh, internship in this this semester? Really good, actually. Um, I I've really enjoyed working here since October, and uh, he has to say this because because I'm basically his boss. No, but I, I, I mean, no, I, I, uh, I, I do mean it though. Uh, it it is kind of sad because I'm graduating the semester, so um, it's coming to an end. But I've had a really good time, especially with the podcast. I mean, uh, th- this was the main reason why I wanted to be in the in the internship because I wanted to work with podcasts and learn more about them because I got into podcasts last year, so. Yeah, I thought this would be a good experience if I ever wanted to work in a podcast. So. Yeah, you've done a great job. So, so everybody knows Elias has really been kind of that primary contact for our guests, um, reaching out to to the guests, getting them all the information on where to go, how to get here, um, getting everything that I need in order to do the show. And you've done a good job, man. Thank you. Appreciate it's it. It's been it's been fun. Yeah, it's been great. So now we got school f- finishing up and yeah, graduating in May. Yeah. 
dude. Yeah. Congrats, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Entering the real world. Yeah. Doesn't that scare you shitless? It's yeah. It's a little. <laughs> it's a little scary. Um, having to because I already have a, a job offer and I know I'm gonna be moving. Uh, so it's a little uh, scary knowing that I have to get my own apartment. Can you apartment. tell us about it or no? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can uh, talk so about it. So what did you get a job at? Uh, I got a job with Oracle uh, okay. in Boston. It's a sales position. Um, so I'm going to be moving there in June. And uh, and yeah, I've been looking at apartments and you know all these all this stuff. And uh, it's uh, exciting, but a little overwhelming at the same time because you know I have to pay rent for, on my own for the first time, pay bills and. Uh, I'm looking into public transportation because I don't want to get a car, and you know, so it's a lot of it's a lot scooter, of scooter, baby, stuff. scooter, scooters, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just mostly worried about the snow. You know, I don't, I don't know oh, how. Man, scooters and snow go great together. What oh, are you talking okay. about? Great plug. Uh, <laughs> uh, e bike, baby. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm thinking of that and buses and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm just looking into the logistics of it right now. Maybe a friend of mine is going to be going up too. So I got maybe, you. I know a guy. Oh, you know a guy? Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Not up there. No, I mean, I know a guy here that sells scooters and e-bikes that you can. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure to, to set one up. Uh, but yeah, it's exciting. <clears throat> well, I'm glad you're here, man. Thank you. Thank you for all your work this semester. Good luck in Boston. I'm glad I have a place to stay when I go up there now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Connections, all about the relationships, baby. Yeah, that was one of our themes last episode, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. And uh, today is April 15th. It's tax day. So make sure you get those taxes in this morning. <laughs> get that get that taken care of. And of course, like I have to, you guys, so we don't know, we, we've been trying to figure this out when we're actually gonna give away this wrap. I've had a lot of people asking about the wrap spot sponsorship giveaway, giving away a wrap, a $2,500 vehicle wrap. And all you have to do is go to whoagnv.com, click giveaway and just register to win. It's a really, really short form. Once you do that, then you are entered to win. And like I said before, you can have other people um, also enter to win, and then they can like donate it to your business if they win. So um, we're thinking right now, it's so it's mid-April. We're thinking this is going to be given away like mid-May is what we're going for. Maybe my birthday, May seventeenth. Yeah, that's a Friday. Maybe we'll give it away on my birthday. That That'd be perfect. fun. Yeah. Be exciting. All right, so that's it. May seventeenth is the giveaway day. Make sure somebody tells Allison. <laughs> yeah. Allison's uh, my CEO of Repaint, <laughs> who kind of helps me keep all this stuff organized. So let's make sure she knows. And um, yeah, so go sign up. Rap Spot, thank you so much for your support. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to giving that away. It's going to be awesome. So, and um, yeah, I had something really exciting happen to me last night. What was it? Did you see my Slack message? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, but I was, I was at the library. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I didn't pay too much attention. So last night, I... Uh, I saw, I was laying in bed and I saw Gary Vaynerchuk go live on Instagram. Do you know who he is? Mm-hmm. Okay. I like him. So he, go, he goes live on on Instagram and and he like throws something up saying that, hey, um, if you subscribe to the like his Empathy Wines, mm-hmm. like by the case or whatever, which I've become a wine drinker in the last year because Ooh, of, good. we went to Italy last year and it was incredible oh, and I we bet. drank some really good wine. and came back and I was like, okay, now I'm a wine drinker. <laughs> That's all it took. Um, but he was like, if you subscribe to this, then we're gonna call you. I'm like, hmm. I'm like, all right, let's see how this goes down. So I actually like, so I went and I subscribed and sure enough, they called me. I had a 10 minute conversation, Gary Vaynerchuk last night. No what? way. Yeah, it was oh, awesome. So we cool. recorded it. Maybe we'll clip it in. We're yeah, gonna tell, so tell Ronald to like clip, clip a little piece of that in, show yeah. everybody. It was, it was kind of cool. I mean, I've been following the guy for for years, like for years, and um, I just watched his company grow, watch him grow as an entrepreneur, and it's obviously he's been an inspiration to me. So it's been a, it was pretty unique to have a. 
10 minute conversation with the guy. <laughs> How did it go? It was good, it was yeah. good. I actually, yeah, I asked him, a, if people are wondering, I asked him a question, because um, he was like, hey, yeah, do you have any questions? And I actually had a question around vlogging, because mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, like, do you, I was like, are you guys getting everybody to sign releases? Like, what, you know, like, is that a thing? <laughs> I was like, because I see that you blur some people's faces out, is that because they wanted you to, or is it because, mm-hmm. you know, or you bleep out like people's numbers, if somebody's like talking, mm-hmm. getting granular about their numbers or something, they'll bleep it out, and I'm like, is that like you, something that you're doing, and um, or something that they're requesting, and he was like, no, that's like a subjective call, very much, very much something that my team just kind of knows, and they, they kind of they kind of feel out, um, and he said occasionally they've put up like a piece of content that they've had to like, go back and take down and then clean that up a little bit. Um, but he's like, no, it's all on the fly, it's just whatever's happening. So I was like, all right, cool, I just wanna make sure because I'm vlogging a lot now. Yeah. Yeah, if you haven't checked out my vlog, I'm gonna give myself a plug on that actually. Go go to, go to colinaustin.tv, check out my YouTube channel. I have a vlog that's called All In With Colin and all in with Colin. And you can actually like check out some of the interactions that I'm having around town and you know, when I'm going to business meetings and stuff, I just have a camera following me and capturing a lot of the stuff. And if I'm speaking or doing speaking engagements around town, like I'll capture that kind of stuff a lot. And, and it's cool, it's fun. It's kind of a ongoing documentary yeah. of my life. Yeah. I've seen a couple episodes. <laughs> and the podcast stuff, yeah. the podcast, the behind the scenes podcast stuff often gets behind there and, and like in there as well, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah. So anyway. Transparency. Yeah, <laughs> which is what, you know, it's funny because that's what's made this so great. You know, somebody, uh, we got asked recently in um, Business in Greater Gainesville Magazine article, that's actually should be out this month, like April. Um, I say that because for everybody who's listening knows that we're recording in March right now. <laughs> we're, we're usually about a few, a few weeks ahead. Um, but for April, they, they put it they put it down, they were asking me about the success and why do you think the podcast has gotten so much traction? And I said, it's because of the transparency of our guests. There's no doubt about it. Like getting getting in here and one, like everybody kind of seeing somebody in, you know, in the Gainesville network that they know or heard of and then getting a little bit, a little more granular, a little bit more transparent and talking about real issues. And that's just helping everybody build up and, and realize, I, you know, it's cool because I think, people are starting to realize that you're not alone. Yes. You know, entrepreneurship, we talk about it all the time. Entrepreneurship is a very lonely thing. And I've talked about the multiple times I've been like in the bathroom, like locked away, crying. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real thing. And so when you can hear other people's stories or hear other people's challenges, knowing that one, you're not alone in that, but also learning what other people do in those situations, I think is, is proving to provide a lot of value um, to our Gainesville audience and, and hopefully to a bigger audience one day. And um, I don't know, so it's been super inspiring to me and, and I think it's because of the transparency of our guests. Like when we get on here and we talk about these real things. Um, so I'm gonna stop talking now and I'm gonna let you start talking. Okay. <laughs> Rachel, thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm super, super excited to dive into this a little bit and, and hear your story. <laughs> so why don't you start by like kind of giving us your origin story, maybe you might even have to go back a little bit further because the company started in 1981. So, you know, what it was like, because I know I know that you've kind of grown up in that element, right? Sure. Because it was your dad's and then and then now you're now you're the owner. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that transition. Okay. So so give it to us. So born and raised <laughs> um, right here in Gainesville. Um, gosh, so dad started the business in 1981. Um, I was born in 85. Uh, you know, dad, 
as I think as a lot of entrepreneurs, when you start a business, that's where you are all the time. Um, so dad wasn't home a lot, and um, I'm sure there was lots of challenges with that. Uh, I have three siblings, so I have twin brothers and a sister, and I'm sure that was really challenging for my mom and my dad, you know, growing up. Um, so when people, you know, ask if I was raised in the business, I guess yes and no. I wasn't raised in the business as far as like being there with dad all the time. I was raised up just learning about business and entrepreneurship and um, watching my dad, you know, get it every day. Um, dad worked really hard. Um, so you want my backstory on like what I did before um, yeah, automotive industry? Tell me everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, I think, you know, after high school, I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. Um, I had an opportunity to go work at a spa, so that was fun. Um, and then I had a really great leader. You know, she, was, she babysat me ever since I was two. So she started this company, and I just remember seeing her hustle and hustle and hustle and hustle. Um, she just didn't stop. I mean, she got every license she possibly could get to be able to do all the services at the spa. She's just made it. It's, it's beautiful, it's here locally, it's Spa Royale. Um, and I learned a lot from her. I ended up getting my aesthetics license, so I did waxing, facials, a lot of bridal makeup. Um, and I did that for a few years, and then I had my son um, at 22. And it kind of, you know, changes your life a little bit. Um, I realized at one point that I, it wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I enjoyed what I was doing, uh, making people feel good, you know, and feel beautiful, like that is impactful to me. Um, and then when I decided not to do that anymore, I did insurance for a year and I was um, working for a friend and I just did not enjoy it at all. Uh, it was very negative, like people didn't really enjoy talking to me, um, writing property and casualty insurance and I just, it wasn't for me. So at that point, that was in, 2010, um, in July, my dad's like, he came and brought me breakfast. And I remember he has this massive, I don't even know where he got it from, but it's like this massive breakfast, massive. And I remember him taking a picture of me, like sitting there eating it. I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> and I just remember him saying like, well, why don't you come and work at the shop? Because he knew I wasn't happy. And I'm like, uh, and do what? You know, because honestly, I didn't know the difference between coolant, oil, I, none of that. I didn't know how many fluids were in the car. I didn't, I didn't know anything. I knew dad would always take care of it because that's what he did. Um, so I said yes, because why not, right? I didn't have a job title. There wasn't anything like, this is what you're going to do when you get there. Uh, so when I went there, <laughs> I kind of created my own job in a sense. Um, the place was a typical independent repair shop, I guess. Um, it was dirty, and the floors hadn't been like waxed or cleaned in like 10 years. Um, so I just spent almost a year like thoroughly cleaning up the place, getting signs hung that hadn't been hung that had just been sitting there. Um, I didn't know what else to do. I mean, I don't know, it was easy, you know, just go there and get dirty and clean up and whatever. And uh, one day, one of my dad's peers um, that had been in the industry a long time said that he needed to put me on the front counter. And again, I remember thinking, and do what? Like, <laughs> I have no idea how to do this. And um, he just was so adamant about it because he knew, he's known me for a long time, and he knew that I love people and um, that it would be easy for me. 
because I didn't have the knowledge, it was a little actually easier because then you're not talking over a customer's head. Because um, nine times out of ten, the customer has no idea, you know, mm. what's needed or what's being done. Um, so it was really easy. And then when I realized, okay, so the customer doesn't have any idea, great, because I don't either, but I'm going to figure it out. And I would just go and ask the technicians. I'd get into the car and I'd be like, so how does this work? Tell me how the system works. I mean, numerous times. Mm. I would drive them crazy. And uh, then it would allow me to be able to tell the customer how it works and all that. And things just kind of happened. Um, one after the other, I mean, we'd get rid of people that worked there. They had been there, you know, 20 years, 17 years, and um, it was super challenging. Dad was really bad about firing people, um, so I had to figure that out. And um, I know we, uh, we kind of spoke about this a little bit, but my first fire was um, a guy that had been there like 17 years, and I knew that he didn't need to be there anymore. Um, but Dad wasn't going to do it. <laughs> so it ended up being, I would say, at least 20, 30-minute conversation, which you know when you fire someone, it's not a conversation. Right. You know, you've made your decision. And I remember it became, in that long conversation, it became so personal, more personal. And I, I remember I kept saying, this isn't personal. It's not personal. It's not personal. But it became so personal because it was this long, drawn-out thing, right? And then I remember after I told him, like, basically, you know, here's, I wanted to give him a check, like, here, you're done, like, bye, good luck. Um, and I remember going in the bathroom and just crying, like a little baby. <laughs> and then I remember just doing that whole, like, all right, let's go, next. Like, and I, I don't know what hit me or, like, what, maybe because I knew that dad wouldn't do it. Um, so I knew I had to step up to the plate. I'm not really sure what triggered inside of me, but I learned then that it's not a discussion, you know, when you fire someone. Like, you've already made your mind up, they've already fired themselves, and I just have to tell them, you know? Um, so I learned a lot um, through that. And then, let's see, in 2012, I would say um, the technician that was on the front that, you know, he wasn't in the back anymore, um, real heavy set guy, and he had a lot of disability issues moving around and stuff, and so just to, picture it, I mean, a technician, like the way you picture a technician, but a real heavy guy, burly, dipped up front, didn't greet you when you walked in the door, kind of um, said no a lot, real like, almost in a sense I feel, looking at customer service, he kind of made you feel like you were disrupting him, you know, like you were messing up his day. Mm -hmm. And so I convinced dad, well, I, for like eight or nine months, I'm like, he's gotta go. Like, he's not the face of the business. Um, and what ended up happening was he had taken a couple weeks off around Christmas and then he threw out his back. And uh, I doubled sales in like a really short amount of time and dad's like, okay, she can do this, I think. And dad was like, yeah, you're right. That was so, just because you stepped in and you yeah, were up I'm, at the front. And yeah, and I just jumped in. Like, I don't know, I guess that's something, I'm quick to jump in. You know, I see someone needing help or I see a situation where I can be helpful. Um, and I'm quick to jump in the, the situation. So he ended up mm -hmm. firing him and things just kind of took off from there. Um, doubled sales in a year, um, started getting some attention. People were <laughs> watching me, uh, which is always crazy when you realize people are watching you because mm -hmm. that's not why you're doing it. Um, so then things kind of trickled from there, um, got into some groups and surrounded myself with other shop owners because dad, I love him, but he taught me a lot of ways not to do business 
Um, and so I took that as a positive because uh, that's one of the things I do. I always try to find the positive in everything. I think a lot of that has to do with just the time change, you know, just the evolution of business over time. It's I'm, changed a lot, yeah. Yeah, I'm very, like, just kind of interested looking looking back to businesses from, you know, the 80s, 70s, I mean, just older companies that have been around a long time. And um, I don't want to say, you know, complacency, though, that could be that could be a part of it. I mean, it's, it's I mean, maybe it is. It's just very much kind of just getting set in a standard, in, in a way. And you kind of, they just kind of get trapped there. Um, not saying that's the case with with you guys at all. Like I have, I have no idea, oh, no, obviously. But it's just something that, I, yeah. <laughs> it's just something I've, you know, uh, I don't know that I that I see often as you know the companies companies that um, you know are very very special end up you know just kind of becoming complacent over time and and then they stop they 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 forget about the things that made them so special in in the early days and culture culture shifts and you know. Well, so change is the only constant, <laughs> right? Right. And as entrepreneurs, I think that we are the leaders of that, and we are constantly having to see the change and constantly having to like, come on, guys, it's going to be great. Let's improve this. You know, it's going to be fabulous, and it's exhausting, right? And then I think at some point throughout that entrepreneurship, if you aren't fueling yourself and surrounding yourself with other entrepreneurs or other shop owners, in my situation, you get complacent, and it's the same thing every day and you feel alone and you feel like no one understands you and it's I don't know I think you just get burnt out and I think that was my dad's issues he was burnt out and I was I brought the spark back so he just kind of let me run with it and realize like all right she's you know full of it right I'm ready to go and dive in and he's like peace now so I totally agree with you. The complacency is insane. And that's why I think it's so important to surround yourself, get in groups and mastermind groups, like things that you've done. I mean, it's so impactful for people because you are so alone. And it's a way that you are giving back to the community by helping them remember where their spark is. It's know? interesting because like, when I hear your story, it reminds me of a story like here a little bit. Like it, you, really, you really assumed a lot of these responsibilities. Like when, when that guy hurt his back, you just kind of naturally stepped in because it was what was needed, right? And then, and then, boom! Sales spike. It's like, oh my gosh, like, this this young lady knows what she's doing. Not you know? really, but I just do it. <laughs> but, I just but, yeah, it but but I mean, well, and that's kind of. I mean, that's probably a good lesson in itself. Is that you know, I think some. I think sometimes the best leaders are made when they're act when they are pushed out out of their comfort zone 100%. and they they they. they, they take action on things that they're not normally gonna take action on because it's the it's what's necessary in that moment. Right. Um, and, and it reminds me because it's like, I, a lot of people don't know, you know, we had Mike on the show the last couple of weeks and um, <coughs> Mike's my CEO of New Scooter Celeste now. And um, he, a lot of people, like he started off, well, I mean, I knew him in 2005 when he started you know, he came in and started working for us part-time, was helping us with just daily tasks and unloading trucks and different things. And then when I split with my partner, uh, he, he actually left for a while, was was still in school, and, that, and then ended up coming back around later and started when I was looking for a truck driver. So he came back in and he was like the guy who went out and picked up scooters with the pickup truck. And funny, because like we had, a, we had a general manager and he ended up he ended up leaving there's a death in his family and some things that kind of rocked his world well like when that happened mike just assumed 
he just assumed those responsibilities. He just started picking up the slack naturally. That's a real leader. Yeah, he just like picked up the slack naturally, really assumed those responsibilities. And, and the same thing, I mean, now, now he's the CEO of this company. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So it's like, it's cool to see somebody go from truck driver to CEO, all because they stepped in when it was necessary. And, and it was very much outside of the comfort zone, wasn't, you know, it was just, it was like what had to be done in that moment. So it sounds very similar to, yeah. <laughs> to what happened with you. Um, all right, so carrying on, so you ended up, so during that, you increased sales. Now you're, you're going back and forth. Now you're like this, you know, <laughs> I wanna say pretty face at the counter, but like, right. you know, you're, you're in a place that you're, you're female, you're at the, at the counter in a very male dominated space, mm-hmm. right? right? Where there had been, you know, people who might not have been as welcoming, right? Very much And so. then that led to the spike in sales and now you're the business owner? Like, I am. Like how did that, so, so where did that, there was a where transition did that transition there. happen? Um, so I think, Shortly after I got on the front counter, there was this company that um, someone introduced me to the the company. It's Automotive Shop, and they're out of Jacksonville, and they're, I don't know how many stores they have now. At that time, maybe they had six or seven. And um, they were like, yeah, come into the shop, come check it out, like spend a few days with us, meet our people, see how we do things. And I'm thinking, what a great opportunity. Like, heck yeah, go into someone else's shop. I mean, dad shop's all I ever knew. I didn't even been in a dealership before. Um, so I learned a lot by talking to the people. Um, well, these two owners were so willing to help me. Um, and looking back now, I'm like, huh, I never thought that there was a reason. I just thought that they were helping me because, you know, that's what people do. Well, the reason was is eventually they made an offer to buy my dad out um, to move to Gainesville, and they were going to open up three stores total, um, and I was going to run them for him. So backstory of that, working with family is tough. Yeah, it's I've, I've really, it. <laughs> really hard. I um, still do it. I, yeah, you do. Um, I wouldn't necessarily change it, but there was a lot of struggles, and there was a lot of times where I just was done. I didn't want to work with my dad anymore. I couldn't handle it. It was a lot of weight, um, and so these this company was going to buy out my dad, and I felt like, okay, great, like because I didn't have the money to buy out dad. Um, I knew dad needed to get out. And so I was talking, um, my husband and I weren't married at the time, but we were talking about a lot of things. And I'm like, okay, this is great. You know, I, I won't have pros and cons list. I mean, totally like wrote it out on paper, like, okay, these are all the things <coughs> I won't me. have to deal with anymore. These are all the things that they'll take care of. But then there was that sense of like, why have I worked so hard to essentially get 10% maybe of the three companies, you know, that they were going to open for me. And I'm like, there was just some desire to own the business. Um, so I kind of pissed them off because I, all of a sudden one day just called them up and I was like, yeah, I decided not to do that, (laughs) you know, and they were banking on me. Mm. Um, but I had to do what was right for myself and what was right for my family. And then I, in the mix of all that, I also had this guy that was like a sales representative for, um, one of our vendors. And he was super supportive of me. Um, and randomly one day in the mix of all of that craziness going on, he's like, well, what if I partner with you? If I bring money to the table, we're business owners together um, and have a partnership. And I'm like, that sounds great. you know. Um, 
So we did that for a short amount of time. He was going to take money, put it down. We had um, these banks. We were going to buy the whole kit and caboodle, the business and the, the property and everything. Well, uh, my husband and I had gotten married. That was in 2014. Um, we got married in 13. I was pregnant in 2014. My daughter was in November. I had her in November 16th. And um, in the mix of all that, we had a couple banks deny us. Like him and I would fight over the AC temperature or like we're, I mean, crazy pregnant lady, 78 degrees, not happening. <laughs> Just not gonna happen. Like I have to be comfortable. Um, but we would argue about, uh, this partner and I, we would argue about so many things and it was like, I just remember thinking one day he walked out. Um, we were dealing with a situation and he just got pissed off and he peaced out and left. And I remember thinking, that's not okay. Like, if you're gonna peace out in this moment, what are you gonna do when shit really hits the fan? Like, really, what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. And I just remember, that was my whole, that whole weekend, that was what was going through my head. And, um, we ended up splitting ways. He all of a sudden one day, my dad was talking to him. I was running the front counter, super pregnant. Um, <laughs> and uh, I remember dad going, hold on a second, hold on a second. And he's like, Rachel, get in here. And I come in the office and the, the business partner, basically he was just like, yeah, this isn't for me anymore. And I'm like, okay. And dad's like, well, can you at least stay till she has the baby? Like she's got six more weeks, you know? And he's like, no. And I'm like, okay, like, all right. Um, Cause it was just him and I running the business. My dad didn't even know how to write up a ticket anymore because I had totally changed everything. That was just there. Cause he didn't know what else to do. So I had to kind of teach both my parents like how to do a couple things um, just to get the business by while I had her. And then like, I think three days after I had her, I went back to work um, <laughs> with her. Like, oh my God. got this. Entrepreneur life. Yeah. and. <laughs> She was there with me every day, pretty much for for ten months until she started walking, um, and then I was like, "Yeah, there, no." I mean, auto repair shop, little infant, no. Um, so, I got her in school, and then I I stopped and I looked back and I'm like, "Holy crap!" Like, I just had a baby, went through all this transition, like this is super crazy, um, and had her with me. Like, I don't even know how I did that, but you just do it, and it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Like, you just do what you got to do to get through it. Um, I don't know that I'd ever want to do that again. <laughs> this was kind of tough, um, but it made me stronger. You know, it made me tougher. Um, it made me realize that I can, I don't know, deal with that chaos and craziness and do whatever I need to do. So in past that, Dad and I came up with a deal. January of 2016 is when I bought the the business from him, and then we had a contract, like 10 year option to buy the property and all that because. He owed more money on the property than he bought it for in 1985, which was crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't understand that. You know, now looking back a little bit, you can see how easy that is to happen, right? Because you spend money and then you want to do something else, so you refinance and you go through all these transitions. I don't ever want to do that. I want to get the building paid off and do all those things. You know, um, I don't want to keep refinancing. But uh, I bought the building from him in November of 17, and that was tough. Um, he was pretty pissed. I don't think he talked to me for almost two weeks because he was losing his rent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned through my transition with him that I had to separate it. I had to separate family and business. I still haven't figured that out 100%, but I kind of figured it out. 
And so at that moment when I told him that I got approved, I mean, I didn't just tell him like, oh, I'm going to buy the building. Like I had already gotten approved and everything. Like it was happening. Um, and he, his disappointment in his face, I mean, he was utterly shocked. One, that I was able to make the numbers look that good that quick. And two, that, I mean, I got an opportunity. A bank said yes. And I'm like, are you sure you're going to give me that kind of money? Sweet. You know, great. Let's do this. Um, and I looked at dad because he was so mad. And I said, well, did I make a good business decision? And he's like, well, yeah. And I'm like, got to separate it. I love you. But I got to take care of me now. Like, this is what I have to do. I've been taking care of you and mom and figuring everything out. Like I had to tell my parents how to budget money. I mean, it was, it was tough. Yeah. Um, but I knew that I was making the right decision and I had to do what I had to do. Not that I want to hurt people along the way, but sometimes that happens and we got to get over it, you know? Yeah. It's tough. Suck I've, it up, buttercup. <laughs> I've definitely, I've worked with family too and it's, I mean, it's been great lessons. I mean, for sure. Like, I don't regret any of it. It's, but it's definitely tough. It's definitely challenging. There's a lot of entrepreneurs that work with family. You know, in the the shop groups that I'm a part of, um, I see a lot. You know, there's spouses that work together, son and you know, parents, um, daughter and father. I mean, there's a lot of really, really great you know shop owners that family is is orchestrated in it. Just wasn't for me. Yeah. It wasn't for me. That's cool. I mean, now, like, <clears throat> you know, my my brother is our service manager here, and, like, he's awesome. I mean, he's doing so great. And just to see him grow over the last several years to where he is today as a leader has, has been really, really inspiring just for me to see somebody, like, have, have that kind of growth and stuff. But and fam- I mean, I love family. Family is – dad raised us. I mean, family is massive. You know, my, my brothers and I, my sister, we're all really, really close – um, and we love each other dearly. And we have a really fabulous relationship. Like, I know no matter what, I can always rely on them. But working together, like, we joke, my husband and I, I'm like, I just love you so much, I don't want to work with you. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. Like, I'm so dominant um, at work. That's challenging, right? And then I want to be a lady when I go home to my husband. So I don't know, so I don't know a lot of, of the females in auto repair shops that have their husband working for them. Mm. I've never met one. Um, I've met the opposite, you know, or where they're a team and it's 50-50, kind of more equal. Um, But having, you know, my husband come into the business would be, I don't know, challenging. So this is, and this is your baby now, like. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I know like uh, having conversations with you and and the opportunity, I, I think it's cool because I know that you see a real opportunity ahead of you for really empowering women through this. I do. Um, that's kind of what's like really inspired me, just just seeing how you're using this opportunity to, to really educate women on on the auto industry, on on their automobiles and feeling empowered to like to have those conversations with their mechanics and that kind Absolutely. of thing. Um I know, hold on, what was the name? I know that you have like a little... Lipstick and dipstick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so these are like little shop... Car care clinics, yeah. Car care clinics that you do? Yeah. So just to like... um, Lipstick and dipsticks, is that what you said? (laughs) Yeah. Right? I mean, so like maybe I think of that from doing makeup and skincare and all that, right? So the lipstick side of it. And then the dipsticks, you know, there's more than one dipstick typically in a vehicle. (laughs) So um, I don't know. It was like a little pun. And it was cool. So one of the reasons that I fell in love with this industry was because I could 
be impactful to these women that have had horrible, horrible experiences. When I heard stories and I heard the scare tactics that were being used to to convince these people, these women mostly, to spend money in these shops, I'm just like, oh, heck no. Um, and it really thoroughly ticked me off. And I'm like, okay, what can I do to use what I've got, right? I'm in a male-dominant industry. I'm a female, so that right there gets, in a sense, attention. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm a female. Like, people people come to that shop because it's a woman-owned shop. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, that's great, right? So you got to use what you got. Um, when I heard some of these stories, I just felt that I needed to empower these people. And I'm, how do I do that? Um, so at the time, I was in B&I, so I started with, like, reaching out to some of them, like, come to the shop and let me show you a couple of things. And there's programs out there, like Knowledge is Power is one that AC Delco puts on, um, and they've kind of helped shops to support car care clinics for women. So I kind of just figured it out as I went. So I started saving, like, old parts, and then I could buy new parts and, like, show them, like, right? Because most people are visual. Um, so when you can see it, like, how easy is it for me to sell a job? Like, it's super easy. Um, so educating them on that and now I do it to where like there's stations and teach them how to change a spare tire you know my whole thing is like would you want to be stuck on the side of the road and waiting for some creepy guy to stop and like hey you know you want me to help you change your tire and you're like super uncomfortable for you know 20-30 minutes or do you want to do it like it's not that it just sounds hard and it just it's just because you don't know it's really not that hard and you got this all this body like you can jump on it and you you can make it happen you know you can Mm -hmm. do this and what I found out of it is I get such a reward out of empowering these women and giving them a sense of um, empowerment encouragement and knowledge you know and it's just the little things and they get super excited about it and I'm like this is so cool and how often do you do them well so my goal I would love to do them monthly I would love to have it to where say like the third Wednesday of the month at this time, you know, we do a car care clinic. I haven't made that happen. Um, I have recently just done them for like people that request it. Like I think the um, junior league, I'm doing one next month for them. Um, I've done them for a couple sororities, uh, just random groups of women, Gainesville Area Women's Network gone, done one for them, like a workshop. Um, so right now it's just kind of when it's requested. Um, and as long as I can get at least like 15 people, you know, to come then we're good, and then I have a couple of my guys help me um, you know, run the, the different workshops, and I change it up every time, give something away. You know, um, We've had people come in and talk beforehand. Um, I now have people that want to sponsor you know, different ones and like provide food just so that they can get a little in on it. Um, I know that it could be really big if I really put everything I had into it. Um, and it could be also really impactful. I mean, one of my goals is to change the image of this industry. And I feel that I can do that one customer, one employee, one shop at a time. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, but things start happening and being able to like do things like this and just tell people about it um, and make it to where automotive, although we're a necessary evil, like we're still necessary. Yeah. So why not make it? little fluffy and beautiful in between you know what I mean (coughs) I hate that it's a necessary evil I mean it's it is man it's like I mean if you own a service repair shop I mean you can empathize with other shop owners because you know and I've and that's really one of the key things that I told my brother over time and the service team here I'm like look 
when people go in, they're coming in, they're buying, they're buying a new car, they're buying a new scooter. Man, they are elated. They are so excited. Like this, being the sales guy is that's the fun that's position. The fun, yeah. Because people are excited. Oh, I got a brand new car. Taking the picture. Like I mean, everything. Same thing with the scooters. Like that's fun. But the first time you have to spend money servicing it, it's not fun anymore. You are, you are pissed, I mean, and you might not even be pissed at the service shop. You were just pissed that your just tire pissed. went flat. Mm-hmm. You're just upset because the the water pump went out. Like what? A, I mean, you're just upset because naturally it's like. Well, you have to stop just, what you're doing, yeah, right? I mean, everybody It's an inconvenience. Realized, yeah. and, and then like for you as a service business owner to like, put a smile on that person's face, it's a challenge. I mean, it's a challenge. So like, if you can figure that part out, <laughs> then you're already a million times, a million steps ahead of everybody else because, I mean, it's, it's just a challenge. Nobody wants to spend money on service. I think it's having an understanding and also having the empathy side of it. You yeah. know, when you can be empathetic and you understand, like, I know this totally put a halt in your entire day and it's making you reschedule your entire life, but I'm gonna take care of you mm-hmm. and I'm gonna make sure that we use quality parts so that you're not coming back in six months for the same problem. Like that goes a long way. So you just sell the value more than anything. I mean, the, the parts cost and the labor, I mean, it is what it is, right? But if you can sell the value on that, I think that's just more, I don't know, more impactful yeah. for the yeah. customer. I mean, I think service shops get a bad rep because of the tactics that they use. But I mean, if you provide good service and you know put, do some of the things that you've been doing with your shop and the things that you did to double sales, I think people can leave with a good experience because I mean, service shop, yeah, it sucks to spend money, but I think, um, you know, they're kind of like doctors, you know, you gotta go and if you feel like they're being honest with you and taking care of you, then I think people are gonna have a good experience. And I feel like that's probably the case here at NS4L too. I mean, I think that's what, one of the things that you, you focus on, making it all about the customer. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think it has to be, and I think it's good that you're trying to change that culture and, and, and the vibe around it. I think uh, that goes a long way with people. Thank so. you. Thank you. Yeah, let me ask a little bit on the culture side of things because I have to think that when you buy dad's business, <laughs> now now you're now you're the owner. I mean, there had there had to be a little bit of resentment or or at least people being like, all right, golden spoon. Bo- boss is, yeah, yeah, boss's daughter is now now in charge. I mean, like what what was that? that transition like what like what happened with the culture was there like a culture shock did did it take people a long time for them to get on board and have the same vision as you did for this place i mean yes what happened there um i think the the disruption of of that whole situation was um everyone was replaced besides one guy he's mm. been there um <coughs> 31 years so he's seen me grow up in essence um he, I knew that we needed to keep him because he was so good at what he did. Very, like, you didn't have her question his repairs. Um, master technician, good old country boy, very loyal. Um, and the way that I, I think that, you know, we could probably ask him about that. I've never truly asked him about that whole transition <laughs> and stuff, but um, I'm sure that he looked at me that way. I am sure from day one. Um, I think that over time he, knew that I was wanting to invest in like, you know, most technicians are on flat rate. So he was on flat rate. And at the time the business was struggling, you know, really, really bad. Um, And so I think I won him over by selling 
and putting money in his pocket. And then I gained his respect and, and his um, desire to move and you know change the culture with me just by working on it every day and kind of just showing him and talking to him and being really open. Um, when I learned that you can be transparent in the automotive industry, I'm like, what a relief. <laughs> like it just made it so much easier for me because I'm like, sweet, like let's talk about the numbers. This is where I need to be. Like, um, these are our build hours goals. So we do like a big board and you know, everybody focuses on money because it's a business. We can make it great and enjoyable and um, a fun place to work and impactful for our customers, but we got to make money at the end of the day so we can still be here. Um, so I think once I could just be really super transparent with them, like that made a huge difference and helped with the culture. And then um, everyone else I've hired. So I've got two guys up front. Um, and four guys in the back, and I also uh, just recently hired a, a female. Um, so I'm super excited. She's young, but she's really excited to to change and to support me and help me. Um, and she's going to be doing all kinds of different things in the in the shop. So help a lot with the organization. Um, so I think the culture and all that. I mean, it, I so last year, um, January of 18, that was like my focus. Like I am going to focus on this culture this year and making an impact and getting it to where it's more of a team environment and it's still a challenge um but you know the chief disruptor thing like <laughs> i decided that because they know i'm gonna make them uncomfortable i make them uncomfortable like we'll sit around and i'm like all right everybody's gonna say something really nice about joe who's been here 31 years and they're just like are you kidding me i'm like it's gonna be great like it's so fabulous let's do this and so i bring like the the color side to the black and white of the industry um, by ruffling feathers, making people uncomfortable. Because when you're out of your comfort zone, you grow, right? Right. So mm -hmm. I focus on that and I just, I know that in order for us to grow and increase, you know, our sales and everything's increased, we have to grow with that. So if we stayed and kept doing the same things and just kind of came and did our job and went home, like we're gonna go back to where we were. So we have to keep changing and improving and grab everybody, you know, kind of like the mama bear thing, just <laughs> take everybody with me. So it's challenging. It's really challenging because people don't like change. Um, one of the words I try to use is improvement rather than change because people like, you know, improvement I think is a more positive word than change. Change uh, is associated with a lot of fear. Um, but as entrepreneurs, we know like you have to, it's the only constant. It's the only constant in business and life, everything. You have to change, you have to improve your life. So all of those things kind of go in with the culture. And um, is my culture fabulous? No, it could be better. Um, but it's, you know, a whole bunch of men. It's challenging. Women tend to be a little easier, you know, to like, look at this, you know, because we can see things in a different light, I think. Um, I don't know. They, they don't like change. <laughs> and all of them will tell you that. But What's been the toughest part of managing them? How big is the team? There's eight of us. AWS. Right, yeah. What's, what's the toughest part of managing an auto, auto repair business? There's a lot of moving parts in automotive. Um, one of the issues in automotive is like, it's, it's almost two different businesses. So you have a sales business and you also have a factory, right? So like getting everyone on the same page and creating this um, smooth transition can be very challenging. Um, hearing all of the sides and like doing one-to-ones with my people recently and like figuring out, okay, um, what are some challenges they're having? What are some challenges the front's having and finding ways to make mm -hmm. it 
work for everybody. Yeah, um, that's funny that you say that. I mean, we've we've experienced. Yeah, uh, you have a similar situation. Yeah, I mean, there's been. I I feel like we're the most cohesive we've ever been, you know, in 15 years, which is fantastic. Like, teams teams incredible. But there there's definitely been times over our history where there was very much a sales department and a service department yeah. like where it was it was divided i mean there was there was a wall between us yep and like there was that's one team and this is another and it wasn't working together as as a group as a complete team and it took us a while to like really get past that and break down that wall um how do you feel like you did that i mean because you focus on the culture and i feel like culture has a lot to do with that like when you kind of get everybody to see the same vision in a sense and you focus on like i really want you to enjoy coming to work like and create that culture that does help but what are is that what you focus it's a hundred percent getting the right people on the bus and getting the wrong ones off mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it like when you and and the way you do that is with is with is through culture right and cult, building culture around a set of core values like we have 12 core values that we run this company on I mean it is it is those are the deciding factors See, like those are the the things that we that those are our accountability that's that's our accountability I love right yep. and um and I mean like one of our core values is to embrace and shape change like being the forward thinkers and and you know not being afraid of what's coming in the industry and and being the first to jump on I mean that is a core value of ours so we really try to instill that into into our team members um, you know, and so, and so we have 12, 12 core values and I won't run through them all cause it'd take me forever. But <clears throat> the, the other part of that too, is really trying to one, me to constantly coach our leaders now. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and Mike's doing that more than anybody now cause he's the CEO, but like constantly training the leaders and making sure that the leaders know what motivates each person because everybody's motivation is different. Absolutely. Right. And, and that's, and that's how you get, that's how you get buy-in. Um, you know, when, when you're, everybody's on the same page heading in the same direction, like that's what makes a, a great culture and you don't have, you don't have the cancers in there and the people that are holding you back. And it's crazy because the one thing that, that I've known is the quicker you can get a cancer out, like, you know, and a lot of people fear, a lot of people fear of the, <laughs> Excuse me. A lot of people fear. Oh, we're not going to have enough help. Now we're, gonna, we're not. We're not going to have enough help. We're going to. We're going to be. We're going to be struggling. But like, I mean, I, I've been surprised when I've removed cancers from my organization and have seen the rest of the organization really step up and really pick up the slack. I mean, it's it's eye opening and and the attitudes instantly, instantly attitude shift. I mean, everybody's happier. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's crazy, and, it, and don't get me wrong, that's not only, I mean, I'm, I know we're talking about company culture and stuff right now, but that's not only within an organization and the team members, I'm talking, like, with customers, too. I mean, yep. I've had cancerous customers where I'm like, I'm sorry, but you're not welcome in my store anymore. Mm-hmm. Please don't come back ever again. So and, people don't have that mentality that you can do that. People think, I mean, I've had employees, like, I remember I had this Asian girl that worked up front, and this woman came in and just spoke to her, and the... And I'm like, well, did you tell her to get out? And she's like, oh, no. I'm like, oh, no, you tell her to get out. Like, people do not, you don't get to come here and be disrespectful. Do you know how hard I work? And all my people, like, create this environment, and you can come in here? No way. You're allowed to fire customers. It's okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. People don't <laughs> understand that. Absolutely okay. No, it's I mean, because, I mean, we've, we've, again, I think it's because we've been taught, 
you know, kind of, it's funny, all these things are kind of interconnecting, you know, talk about complacency, looking back at at how businesses have evolved over the years. I mean, we were taught when I, when I was in, you know, working at a restaurant in college, like, and even in working at McDonald's, even before that, like my first job was McDonald's in high school. Like, I mean, look at that, like we were taught the customer's always right. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the case. No, it's not. (laughs) It is not the case. And I mean, every business owner is gonna handle that differently, but like there's, there's times where I've heard of women being abused in our facility by men who have come in and just talking down to them and saying, no, like, go, go get me somebody who knows what they're talking about and like, and stuff like that. Man, if I would have found out about that, I would have been like, you need to leave. Like, this is not a place where that's acceptable. No. And, um, and to, usually I find out about it after the case because, because they hand, they just, they just, suck it up and they go deal with it and they get the, the team gets through with it and they try to deliver the greatest customer experience they can to that person, even given the fact that that person is being extremely rude. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's, that's... I dealt with those situations. Yeah, I mean, On it's, a front counter in a male-dominant industry. It was always like, oh, I need to speak to a technician. Or, you know, and I, I'm like, well, they're busy turning you know, work out and making money. So if I can't help you, I'll find the answer for you. And then it was usually like, well, I have this noise and I'm like, well, you know, let's do a break inspection or whatever. And once you can take care of it, you kind of knock that wall down. But there's guys, I mean, I, I've told grown men, like, I obviously am not going to make you happy and I'm not, you know, qualified to work on your vehicle. You probably should take it somewhere (coughs) because they're just a turd. Um, and then both the times that I can recall doing that, they're like, oh, no, 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 I want you to, I'm like, well, then stop being an a-hole. Like, yeah. this is what I'm good at, so let <laughs> me take care of it on this side. Like, you're good at your job, whatever that is. You can do that. When I come into your work, you can, you know, yeah. tell me all about it, but. That's it's, tough, that's tough. It's, it's tough to build a culture, like, one, because the culture very much incorporates your customers, and, um, but definitely kind of going back to the team member side, I mean, that, that's the way, that's the way we broke down the wall, was continuously focusing on culture. I knew from everything that I learned and mentors and everything, like culture is, it is the lifeblood. It is the lifeblood of the organization and without it, you will die. Um, and, and so everything that I do with both companies is, is focusing on, on culture and, and, and that really happened. I mean, those core values, those are the accountability factors that help us achieve the mission and the vision, you know, and and like and it gets easy because it's easy to it's easy to grab, you know, interns who feel like they're part of a purpose, creating something great with a podcast. You know what I mean? Like that the purpose. Like here we are. We're like literally changing the landscape of Gainesville with a podcast. Like that's the vision. Like we're going to make Gainesville even better because we're gonna build relationships and we're gonna keep our talent here and we're gonna recruit talent here. You know, I mean, it's just like, when you're constantly telling people that vision, it's easy for people to get on board if, well, if, if it matches them and their values. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, he was so invested. He obviously has so much value in, in this and he looks at it as an opportunity and, and looks at the future of like what it can give to him. And that's just so cool. Yeah, I mean, also Colin sells a vision really well too. You know, he and he- um, I'm a visionary, baby. That's what I do. Yeah, that's, right. that's, that, that's the. I mean, that's really all I'm good at. <laughs> it's like I paint, I paint a picture, and I build the team, and I say, "Go, like, let's do this." Yeah, I mean, it, he he spoke at a, uh, one of my classes, and that's how I heard about it. And he seemed passionate, and like he was genuine, and so I was sold on it from him. 
And I think, you know, when you guys are talking about like the culture and trying to bring people to believe in it or whatever, it's it's all based on whether you guys follow it too, you know, lead by example. So so that's the main, you know, takeaway because, you know, I see that here when working with you, uh, that you and, and Allison and everyone else, all the supervisors, you guys are all invested in it. You know, I, I don't, you, you guys do what you say you will. And, and so that's that gets us to, to you know, know that oh, this is how things need to be done, and it and it works, and it works. So you know, it's funny that like, even hearing you say that, and hearing you talk about like transparency with your team and and that kind of thing. I mean, I, I I'm really pushing transparency right now, like really pushing it, and and like I said, I think it's what's made this podcast very special, and and it's it's interesting because, you know, last like last week, I mean. <laughs> I got home last night and I actually, like I had a bottle of wine sitting on my doorstep and I didn't know it was from, I opened it up and there was a card and it was it was from Allison on our team. And it was just very, it was very heartfelt and very like, hey, I know that you're going through a super hard time. I just had a really bad week last week. <laughs> Entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, I was like, I was just going through a really, really, really bad week last week and, and she was just like, just, words of encouragement to say man like we all believe in you we believe in your vision you've got this like thank you for everything that you do and like and and the only reason that was even there was because of how transparent i had been with her about the things going on and and i i think you know i'm slowly transitioning out of that because um out of the fear out of the fear of being too transparent because i think there is there's a lot of things you know that you don't want to talk about with your team members because you don't want them to be worried about whether or not they're going to have a job next week or whether, you know, whatever the case might be, um, you know, from a cash flow payroll standpoint or, or just things going on in, in the, in the industry and in the business, whatever it could be. I mean, uh, it's hard to be transparent with them sometimes. So like I'm, I'm finally after 15 years really reaching a place where I'm just like, all right, I'm just going <laughs> to, what, like whatever needs to be known is going to be let known, and um, there's a balance to it. Yeah. Well, and and you know, like a lot of people know that I'm I'm really talking, you know, this new company we've been really heavily invested into personal brands and personal branding and the importance of personal branding, and the one thing that I've learned about personal branding is that authenticity matters. Like when you're just real. Like when you, when you're like watching, when I'm watching somebody's Instagram story and they're sitting there and they're just like being super real and just talking about the struggles or the challenges or what's going on in their life. Like I, I connect with that and I engage with that and I offer like a little support, say, Hey, like, I know you're going through this, but like, you've got this, I've seen you get through this a million times, you know what I mean? And like, but that authenticity and that realness is what connects and people, because people can empathize. Right. People yeah. can like they can really put themselves in that in that position, and that's like one of the most vital parts of, of a personal brand is that authenticity piece. And so I've just learned um, I'm going to be as transparent as I possibly can, you know, in all cases, and um, just keep keep pushing myself outside of my comfort zone to yeah. keep going another step and another step and another step. But yeah, it's awesome. One of my favorite, um, so I recently wrote a, a blog. I was like, a blog, I don't even know how to do this. Um, <laughs> so there's the automotive magazine. Excuse me. Um, they had asked me to write, it was like next gen or new, new gen or something like that. And they just asked me to write something and it was free, like whatever I wanted to write about. So 
it's easy for me to write about like my situation, what I've gone through. Um, and they were like, oh, you need to, we need you to write blogs because they're, they're just going digital. Um, no more printing out the magazines. And I'm like super stressed out about it. One, I was not great at writing in school. So like that's not my forte. I can talk, but like writing it out stresses me out. So long story short, I wrote it and we came up with the name of like finding my why is the blog. And then it was January. So I'm like, okay, resolutions, right? People are like, oh, this year I'm gonna. And so I just talked about that and like the transparency of like finding your why and like figuring out who you are and realizing it's okay to be selfish because people will look at that really negative, right? People think negative when they think of being selfish, but you have to fill yourself up as entrepreneurs because all you're doing is giving everyone else everything you got 24-7. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not filling yourself and not figuring out what makes you happy or going and getting your nails done or going and getting your hair done or going as a female or going and playing around a golf or whatever fulfills you and makes you happy so that you can give to everyone else, I think that's so important. But in there, I put um, this quote that I heard from this guy that has dealerships um, in Tennessee, his name's Carmine. And he came and spoke to this Shop Fix Academy that I'm a part of, just a whole bunch of shop owners. And he said, if you're green, you grow. If you're um, ripe, you rot, right? So I'm like, and that just kind of resonated with me. Like, if you're green, you grow just like fruit. And if you're ripe, you're gonna rot. And if you're rotting next to all the other fruit, it's still green, you know what I mean? Like, you think like so deeply in that, you have to change. You have to realize that you have to keep growing and be green so that you don't rot. That's no fun. Who wants to rot? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like that's not enjoyable. That's not a great life. I want to grow. I want to improve, and I want to be the best that I can and impact others and give them the best that I can along the way. And you know? you're growing too. I can just tell. I can yeah. tell from the first moment I met you. I was like, she's gonna do it. You got any questions, Elias? Uh, yeah, I did actually. Um, I kind of wanted to go back to when you started working at the shop and taking things over. Uh, I was curious what. Which one of the changes that you made do you think had the biggest impact on like changing the culture and, and all, but also increasing sales? Because you talked about you know cleaning up the shop, making it look presentable, but also changing the, the service aspect. So, so what do you think had the biggest impact? Saying yes. Um, I realized there was a lot of no's to customers. Um, and when you say no, you tell them you can't work on their scooter or you can't you know do certain things, like no, I can't get you in for an oil change today. They may come back again because they liked you and like, you know, figure it out or schedule something, but people need it right here, right now, right? Their time is super important to them. So when I started saying yes, like absolutely, absolutely. And I would overwhelm the shop, you know, and then we would always have work for the next day. When back then, like by four o'clock, the guys were just standing around with nothing to do because the word no was used mm. so much. Mm -hmm. That was huge for the sales. And then making people feel comfortable, like, just talking to them, taking them back to their vehicles and showing them what's broken. Like, why can't we do that? It's so much easier. And for me, I think because I didn't know so many things, like, well, let me show them how their brake pads are worn out. Like, let me take them back there. I mean, you can visually see it. They're gonna say yes, or their belt's broken, whatever, like the simple stuff. I mean, and I think that's why some of the like chain places will take an air filter and walk out there. But just on the flip side, you know, you always kind of question like, is that really mine? <laughs> You can't yeah, when lie. You, like, like literally see it on your vehicle. Yeah. It's a difference when you go out to the vehicle and you see and like, and then when you invite people into the area that they don't know and no one ever shows them, it's transparency. Being mm -hmm. transparent with the customers, like they know it's a business. 
And sometimes you got to remind them like, this is a business. This is, you know, yes, I want to go above and beyond more than any other place has done for you. And there's times that we do that and we give away things or we make situations right. But at the end of the day, it's a business. I got to make money so I can still be here for you for the next time that your car is broke. Hmm. So they have to understand that. And I think that nothing's wrong with explaining that to customers sometimes. I mean, like, you know, this is a business. I have to make a profit. Right. That's how it works. Yeah. So I think the transparency side of it, like what we were talking about, has been huge. Like I said, it was such a sigh of relief for me because um, I am very transparent. I mean, I am. I just kind of talk about anything. I don't. Yeah. Is that an angle that you think you try to push for your shop? You know, when you market your shop, do you like try to uh, use that angle with customers like to distinguish yourself from other places? Like, hey, we're the transparent shop. Because I think that could go uh, a long way because I don't think many other places have that kind of environment. So I think if you if you try to, you know, tell that to people like, hey, come to us because we're not going to rip you off, you know, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that we push that. Like, so marketing wise, I don't do a lot. Um, I focus on reviews, you know, because obviously that's very, very important. Um, the biggest, I think, advertisement for my business specifically is word of mouth. Of course. Mm-hmm. And I think that is for most businesses, but um, I know that the word of mouth is reviews. Like, that's everybody, when they don't know where they're going to go, they Google it or they look it up. So I focused on that. And we looked the other day, I think it's almost 4.9. I have like 170 stars, you know, mm-hmm. five stars. I mean, it's it's up there. And that's because of the transparency. Not that we like push that and advertise that. Um, and then like other marketing, it's just me getting out and talking to people. I focus on like my customers get, you know, a text from me a couple of days after they've come in, just making sure that they're happy so that it allows them to tell me if they're not or if they had a bad experience. Because I, I don't, if I don't know, I can't fix it. Mm-hmm. Just like with your employees, yep. you know, yep. if you don't know what's going on, you can't fix it. Um, so I think that without verbally saying transparency and using that word, mm-hmm. we've shown our customers that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like the business that has been around since 1981. Yeah. I mean, there's it's been around a long time. So it's been you, a long you time. definitely build on on that. And um, it's funny because like when people ask me about marketing, because obviously I'm a marketer, like. And they're asking me about marketing. I say, like, that's what we do is fuel more word of mouth. Yeah. Like, if we're doing our job right, then you're going to get more, like, more referrals. That's the ultimate goal. Like, because right. the, there's, there is no better marketing than word of mouth marketing. No. There's nothing better. So, like, that's what we want. We are just throwing logs onto that fire. And then the business themselves have to, you know, do it right when you're there. Yeah, I mean, of course. You can feed all kinds of people there, but... If they're screwing it up, of course. And then, like I, in a service business, like I'm this one and like yours, you're gonna have you're gonna have capacity issues too. Like you're gonna you're gonna reach a point. I, I mean, do we do we actively market our service department at New Scooters Plus? The answer is no, because we have so much service. Like we so sales, yeah. We mark come buy a scooter. We we market that all day long. We try to push referrals there all day long. But but our service department is usually on a wait. <laughs> You know, oh, it's because so we have great. we have so much we have so much business coming into the service department. So, um, yeah, I mean, like it's it's that, and a lot of it is word of mouth and customers that have been super loyal and and building on that loyalty. So, yeah, those are good questions. Anything else? No, I'm good. Yeah, uh, you did a good job, man. Those are great you. questions. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, cool. Well, Rachel, thanks again so much for being here. Thank you. You're for awesome. Me. It was fun.
Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I really enjoy it because like we we share a very common like similar there industry. Is a lot of yeah. And uh, it's been you know the scooter company just had its 15 year anniversary. It's crazy so to think cool. that New Scooters Plus is 15 years old. It's or that mind blowing to yeah, me. Yeah, how old you are. Yeah, seriously. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, seriously. <laughs> I said I put that uh, like on my Instagram post. I said, "Thanks, New Scooters Plus. You make me feel old mm-hmm. AF." <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, you know, Colin, I want to tell you um, what you're doing and like your passion for what you're doing is so cool. Um, you're bringing so much value to Gainesville, and you know, as a person that's born and raised, like, and obviously, I'm not going anywhere. I really greatly appreciate what you're doing, and I hope that um, other people see that and they learn and gain so much for, you know, from what you're doing and the transparency and getting other businesses. And then also maybe, you know, other businesses will hear this and be like, I want to get on there and ask you, you know, hey, can I get on your podcast? I have some things I want to share or whatever. We, it, It's awesome because in the early day, you know, in the first couple episodes, <laughs> the first couple like, episodes, I'm yeah. like, Yo, friend, you want to be on my podcast? Right, yeah, like, right, like right. I mean, I remember you're like reaching out to Ty Payton, like Ty Payton, like episode one was literally like, "Hey guys, I got this new podcast equipment. Do you guys want to like come and just record something? Like, <laughs> I just want to play with these new toys. I'm like, I just want to play, and and we actually just rolled with it. I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'm like, that was actually pretty good. I'm like, that's episode one, <laughs> and I had no intention of being episode one. We we're just playing with toys, yeah. Um, and then and then when I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do this, like. I reached out to a few friends and it was kind of like, oh, like, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> you know, a lot of people were kind of skeptical. We're like, oh, I'm like gonna pass. And and now, like, we have an app, like we have application. Like, anybody can go fill out an application. Doesn't mean you'll be selected. Like, we do vet out people. We do sure. like research. I've I, they, there's um, been times where I've personally gone and visited the guests myself because I want to like look at their business. I couldn't find much online about them, so I'm like look, you know, really diving in deep. People, yeah. yeah, I mean because um, because I want to share the the best of the best. Um, I want I want to bring the people who are making you go whoa and whoa. and keep putting them on the show and and finding more people like that but there but the application process yeah i mean if for anybody who is listening that would be interested in being on the show you just go to whoagnv.com and there's a little button that says nominate a guest and you just click that and fill that out and um but that's what's great is that i mean we have we have plenty of applications to be on Good. the show yeah which is which is fantastic because now we're able to like really go through those and select um select people and 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 tell their story, and that's the fun part for me. I mean, especially you can talk about transparency and marketing, like tell, telling the story is what it's about. There's nothing, there's no better way to build personal brand. Yeah. And when you're sharing the story of the CEO or the small business owner or you know whomever, like I mean, and again, we've had authors, you know, musicians. Athletes. I mean, we've uh, athletes. Yeah, I mean, we've you know, it's but when you just tell their story and you just dive into it, and it's it's just inspiring. It's inspiring Absolutely. and. Um, and there's nothing that I like more than storytelling. So, well, thanks so, for doing it. Well, th- thank you. Th- so thank you. Like, I, I couldn't, awesome. I couldn't do it without this great community and the support that we've had, and and you know, companies like Rapspot who have have contributed to us trying to build up that exposure. And um, it's going to be a special year for sure. I, this is episode 49. <laughs> I mean, we've wow. almost done a year. Like, we're we're heading into. The, you know, we got 50, 51, yeah. 52, and then, but that's, that's one year, man, because yeah. we do one a week. So it's, uh, it's awesome to, to think that it's already a year old. And, oh, maybe we need like a celebration or something. Yeah. On, yeah. on yeah. podcast yeah. celebration, be like, yeah, on to yeah, YouTube. Yeah, get a bunch of little poppers and like, <laughs> make it all fun. And yeah. Yeah. 
So, That's but awesome. anyway, thanks again for being here. For everybody who's listening, where can they like find out more about your business? Like what's like website? Sure, so our website is cityautorepair.com, C-A-R. Um, we're on Facebook. Uh, we're gonna be on Twitter and Instagram and all that because we're not yet. Um, our website's a great place. You can schedule appointments, you can research us, you can see our history, and then just seeing our reviews and you know just Google us and you'll, you'll see it. Um, but yeah, Go, I think that's it, yeah. Go check them out. Go check it out. Awesome, well thanks again for being here. You guys, this is the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa! We'll see you later, bye.